Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we are continuing with our parade of hits for season six. My dear friend, Lauren Hansen. Welcome, Lauren. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, Lauren, oh, damn it. You know, while you were doing all that stuff. It was 307, yes, Worst okay. Family Fun. Thank you. Lauren was last with us <laughs> for that episode. <laughs> we always forget to look, which was quite, <laughs> it was quite some time ago. I believe we were still real in the pandemic and all of that. And so like, what has your life been like in the last year or so, maybe longer? It was <laughs> summer of 2021. Whoa. Okay. Wow. That's a okay. long time. Um, it is. We've been doing great. We're back out in the world. Kevin and I went on a trip for my birthday, my 40th birthday and his belated 40th because he turned 40 during the middle of the pandemic. So we went on a trip and did that, and we've just been chasing kids. I mean, that so, was a big trip, right? It was, wasn't it? Italy? It was. We did Spain and Italy, and it was amazing. Oh my wow. gosh! We just walked around and ate and drank everything we wanted, and it was fantastic. That's wow. amazing. How long were you there? It was great. Uh, Ten days. So we did five days in each. That's perfect. And it was amazing. I could have done longer in both. But I, we tried to squeeze in probably more than we should have. <laughs> I think it's great. If you get over there, just like take it all in. You can I sleep know. when you're home. That's kind of how it felt. It was like, we're here. We should just do all the things, do all the things <laughs> in, one, in one trip. Uh, so, but it was really, really fun. And my parents watched the kids for like 10 days and, uh, and they still like me. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can't, you can't have it all. <laughs> and your kids are doing we well. We a lot of wine and... <laughs> your kids? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, man. We walked in with a bottle of wine. Like, thank you. I bet they appreciated that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, it's so nice. Yes, I'm glad that we're all getting Thanks. back out into the world. Yeah. I know. It's been nice. The, the kids are back in activities and school is in full swing so it's go 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 yeah i know we're back to normal and sometimes i'm like Whew, i forgot that normal is exhausting yeah. <laughs> it is it yeah. is <laughs> yeah and we don't even have children i know <laughs> well actually season uh -oh. six season six <laughs> twist listeners Melissa <laughs> and i have had kids this whole time <laughs> that's not uh, that's a lie but i was thinking recently like wouldn't it be funny if we were like Actually, we are parents. <laughs> we just thought it would be a fun <laughs> twist on the genre, so we lied <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Convincingly. <laughs> Very. Yeah. They're like, those people don't know anything about parenting. We can tell. <laughs> anyway. Lauren, your return marks your induction into our Three Timers Club. <gasps> do, 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 do. Oh my God, this is so exciting. It's I so feel exciting. like I should have a jacket. Like, do you want me to go put a blazer on? Please, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. I know we should have like a little like button or something a, made. Yes, a button. A button would yeah. be good. Caleb, is it so hard for us to send these people you know, buttons? When you get to five times hosting, they give you the five timers jacket. I, I just know. feel right. like a three timers button. There should be something. 
Yeah, but it's <laughs> no one's at five timers yet. No, no, but three is three is pretty good. We got some inductees into three. Yeah, yeah. I feel great about it. Well, so I'm do glad. we. Yes, <laughs> I'm excited. I made the list on season six. Yeah. Well, we wanted season six truly to just be favorite guests we've we've ever had and we always love having uh-huh. you so truly Guys, like yeah so nice yeah <laughs> thank you for being part of this with us and this is not just season six it's episode six whoa too Ooh. big to fail it's one six away from evil <laughs> too big to <laughs> fail so was this like right around when was this uh when did this air oh Caleb. It's funny you should ask. It was <laughs> oh. written by Ian Deitchman and Kristen Rusk Robinson. It was directed by Jessica Yu, and it originally aired on October 30th, 2014. Huh. It's okay. not Halloween at all, is it? Is there any Halloween stuff going on in the background and I missed it? Nope. Okay. No. All right. I don't Interesting. think so. And I don't think it was around Too Big to Fail because that was like the bailout end of 2008. Yeah, that was earlier. And, you know, Zeke considered himself Too Big to Fail. In oh, season yeah. one. He says Tim. that. I yeah. consider myself too big to fail, he says. I consider myself too big to fail. It was weird. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the last little step in my introduction is the TV Guide synopsis mm, yes. for season six, episode six, Too Big to Fail. Here it is. Crosby struggles with slow business at the luncheonette, but receives some help from Jasmine. Meanwhile, Hank and Sarah plan a game night, and Drew tries to decide on a major and future career. That kind of makes it sound like his career is going to be major. He decides <laughs> a major. on a major and future career. <laughs> oh, Drew's story felt like the D story, too. Like, they didn't mention Amber. Yeah, that's true. It's all and ironic because I think Amber is in every single storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big episode for her. Yeah. I kept not knowing where to put Amber in my notes. I'm like, you're everywhere, Amber. Just There you are again. Good thing I love you, you know? So. Well, if anyone's keeping track of season six roll call, roll call, those absent in this episode are the grandparents and the Grams. No Joel, no Julia, oh, no yeah, Sydney, yeah, yeah. no Victor. This is the way to do it. They just didn't mention any of them. Like it yeah. wasn't like, oh, Joel and Julia are off in Alaska. You know, they just didn't. Exactly. There yeah. was no need for an explanation. We just didn't delve into their stories this week. Yeah. 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 That's how they should do There's all the absences. Plenty else going on. Which is fine in any scenario, unless it's like a big event, right? Unless yes. it's like something where they should all be there. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't really have to explain it away too much because the cast is enormous. Yeah. Yeah. And now that they've added Hank and uh, his family. Yep. Right. You're exactly right. How are you feeling about Hank and his family as an addition? I like Hank more this season than True. in previous seasons. I agree. Yeah. But Caleb has been mentioning how much screen time Hank's ex- like whole family gets. And it makes me realize that's true and feel a little resentful. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that in episode one. So we're recording this and that's the only episode that's out. Yeah. Is your conversation about Vegas. Yeah. And so, but you had mentioned that. And so I was wondering because I didn't watch the two before this, Mm. like how much Hank there is. And because I kind of felt the same way, like they're getting another season, but we're filling it with another character when we were pretty happy with the characters we had. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy hasn't really been, I think she was in one more. Okay. So she hasn't been around that much. 
And even Ruby has not been in every episode. True. So, I, I mean, I guess it's okay. It just, yeah, it is. And now, like, at least Sarah was involved. Yeah. Yes. And Amber. Like, okay, as long as we get some of our regulars in there, I'll go for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'll just go ahead and tip my hand right away and say, I actually loved this this whole episode. So I'm just, I'm skipping to the, I'm just saying it right now. And so even the stuff with Ruby, I loved. So I, I don't know. I loved it all. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, good to know. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we had you on for one you loved. That makes me happy. I, I do. I did. I didn't, um, I didn't remember liking season six like from my memory yeah. of watching it or if I had even seen it but the luncheonette stuff is like all very I remember that a lot and I really thought that was more <laughs> of the series <laughs> in my like in my memory of when I first watched the series but yeah I liked this episode more than I expected I'll tip my hand I Liked it less than I expected. Okay. Oh, interesting. But I liked it more on my second watch. Okay. Than the yeah. first time. I thought it was a very stressful episode. Yeah. I was like a little on edge watching it because everyone is, you know, this this whole episode, not the whole episode, many of the storylines were about money, mm. which I am on record saying I love conflicts about money because they feel very real world to me because we yeah. all worry about money. Well, not all of us. I don't know who's <laughs> listening to this. Maybe some people are not worried about money, but most people, I think, yeah. have money worries from time to time. And I like seeing that reflected. But this time it felt maybe a little too real. Like, oh, gosh, I hate that feeling when you don't know how you're going to pay for something. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good point. The episode began at the baby store. With Amber and Drew. That was the most stressful scene of the episode for me. Yeah. My first note was about you, Lauren, because I knew we would have a parent on. I wondered, what do you think are the essential pieces of baby gear? And what are things that you actually don't need? That's such a good question. I want to know. Man, guys, I could do a podcast about this. (laughs) Um, I mean, like... The first two months, you just kind of need somewhere for them to sleep and like swaddles and bottles if you need bottles. But there's not a lot of stuff they need other than like blankets because all they do is sleep and eat and like snuggle for the first couple months. So you can get away with very little. Yeah, I mean, you can get all of the bells and whistles that you want, but you don't need it swaddles and a bassinet or like a crib is kind of all they need Wow, at the newborn phase and i guess a stroller and car seat although did so you think little... did you think that stroller was insane oh my god that stroller was crazy <laughs> <laughs> but their reaction to it was amazing yeah i did google that an origami stroller was a real thing wow but it was discontinued in 2017 because it had lots of problems. It was actually kind of fun reading all the terrible reviews. Oh, People no. are like, I've never spent this much money for something that just didn't work most of the time. Oh, no. And the fact that it would like fold itself, I thought, what are the safety measures so that it doesn't do that when the baby is in it? Yes. And just crush the baby. Oh, or no. like when a kid crawls under it and then it just smashes. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are car seats are so expensive. Baby stuff's not cheap. It's a little like wedding stuff is like kind of got a markup on it because 
they know that they can get away with it. And it's kind of the same for baby stuff. Like baby stuff's expensive. Car seats are expensive. Strollers are expensive. And (laughs) there are really cool ones that can make your life a lot easier. You know, like there is a car seat that you just like lift out of the car and the wheels pop down and it turns into a stroller. Whoa. And it's fantastic. And so like I have a friend that has that because she lives on the 20th floor of a, you know, like an apartment building. So like she needs something small so she can fit it into a smaller apartment and she's taking it in and out of different vehicles. So she can't have it like always based into one vehicle. There's ups and downs to all the baby stuff, but (laughs) you don't need an automatic stroller for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It reminded me weirdly of the time that Mark and I did go and register for wedding stuff. Mm -hmm. It was at Bed Bath & Beyond and we ended up leaving and not registering there. And I think we just went to Target, which is exactly what Drew suggested to Amber. Let's just go to Target. (laughs) I I loved that. We could just go to Target. We could just go to Target. Yeah. Basically this woman overwhelmed the shit out of us and (laughs) kept like trying to get us to like register for stuff we did not need like plates right and we were like oh we love our plates like they're from my mom and they're dutch and they're beautiful and she was like someone else is paying for it and we were like that's not mm-mm, no like I, <laughs> why would we just randomly want more plates because it's not our money these assholes are just guests at our wedding <laughs> it was just so bizarre and i just thought oh lady read the room these are young people coming to you you should just send them to target instead of freaking them out with all this stuff (laughs) just be like this place isn't for you i love you just go like i don't know but maybe that's rude too just assuming they can't afford it but they clearly can't i don't know (laughs) i know she really didn't read them at all Mm -mm. Although I did think it was forgivable that she thought they were a couple. Yes. Yeah. We've noticed so- that before. It's like, they're so close. that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they have a little bit of. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Because you know what? Just because Peter Krause and Lauren Graham broke up doesn't mean that Joe has to die. It just gets right. transferred. It just gets transferred. Yeah. And guys. Are you sad about Peter that? Krause and Lauren broke up. I know. I'm really sad about that. We don't take the time to really just say how sad that is enough. Yeah. No, it was a really long time. Yeah. I liked both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember our guest Sorry. Grant was on and he was like, that would be the celebrity couple that I would invite to dinner. Oh, wow. It's a great one. Yeah. Now it would be an awkward dinner, apparently. So definitely <laughs> sad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hey, in that scene, yeah, Amber was like really showing. Oh yeah, because it's the three months later. Did you see that? It said three months later. Oh, I missed that. Okay. When did it say that? Was, at the very beginning, or it did on mine. I completely wow. missed that. Yeah. As did I. I'm glad but you I noticed said that. that right away. I was like, wow, she got big fast. Time has passed. That's where we are. <sighs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. I don't, yeah. You know, it's funny wow. because I wrote as a note, I wrote, did we really need it to say three months later or would Amber's belly have, <laughs> you know, indicated that to us? And apparently I think it's good to have it. Yeah. Because everybody's <laughs> just like, what happened? Did you just pop overnight? Yeah. So. Was it after the recap? I think it was between the recap and the episode, but it might have. Yeah. I can't believe I just 
You know, I watched so closely and then to miss something that was literally spelled out for me. <laughs> oh, no. It's just humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pull it together. Well, We're all disappointed in you, Caleb. <laughs> not as much as I am in myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Amber asks her bosses, who are her uncles, for a raise and she says that one of the perks of her job is getting to hang out with her coolest uncles. And I thought, you know, if I were Amber, my ranking of uncles based on coolness would go number one, Joel. Joel. Yeah. Number two, Crosby. <laughs> yeah. Number three, Adam. But then it also made me wonder, does Seth have any brothers? <laughs> that we should add into the equation. Ahead of Adam. <laughs> even even when I like Adam, he's not cool. No. <laughs> No. Adam has never been cool. No. Yeah. No, never. I think Adam was born 40. He's <laughs> fully formed. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to imagine him as a little kid palling around with Crosby. When Amber walked in on Adam and Crosby debating about giving her a race and, and Adam's like, you know, I would have fired her three months ago if she wasn't our niece. I really, I felt so bad for everyone involved. Yeah. Because I felt like, Everyone is a victim of things beyond their control. Right. Like Amber can't help that she's pregnant and family. And <laughs> the uncles can't help that business is slow and struggling. I, I, Of course, they would give her a raise if they had the money. They oh. would love to. It just felt like no one's fault. Yeah. But of course, it would hurt to overhear that. Yes. I thought it was so cute how she like really planned that speech she gave them. Um, and she like yeah. looked up big words, I'm guessing, or maybe she just knew. What was that word? I can't even remember. Commensurate. Do you guys yes. ever use that she word? She delivered that line so good. I know. I think my salary should be commensurate to my, I can't remember what she said. Abilities? Skills? Yeah, I don't I think remember. So. She delivered it beautifully. Uh, it was so cute. I know. I think I have used that word, but only in that exact context. Really? Look yeah. At that. <sighs> it I've feels never... like job lingo. Mm. Salary commensurate yeah. with experience, you know, or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's corporate words. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did wonder, like, because it's a TV show and they don't show us every single day, she's like, I've really made lots of contributions here, like with Ashes of Rome. I'm like, I'm glad that you stopped there because that's the only thing we've seen her make a contribution on. <laughs> yes. I don't think we've even seen her within the walls of the luncheonette since that party for Ashes of Rome at the end of last season. Yeah. And then, and like, when's the last time we actually saw her work? I, I didn't, it just, or any of them work. We're just told, oh yeah, she's valuable there, but we don't see it. <laughs> she works with the artist, like that guy she slept with. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's true. <laughs> or the guy she got punched. You know, like, I mean, she, that's not her fault. That was Ryan's fault. But. <laughs> Lauren, what were you saying? Uh, well, they, they they threw in that scene of her, like, sweeping up. And they were, he was like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, there's always stuff to do. <laughs> Don't I forget I work here. <laughs> it looks so sad to see someone so pregnant sweeping. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's her job and she's trying to make a point, but I was like, oh, Adam, just take the take the broom, you know, just, <laughs> just you're going to let your pregnant you niece. Yeah, oh, but, but it's literally her job. And yeah, I get it. But man, um, I have a question, which is what happened to the luncheonette? Did they literally just put all their eggs in the Oliver Rome basket and then it completely like wait 
How'd they go from CeeLo to nothing? I mean, I just, I, I've asked it before, but I still don't feel like I understand. You know, can they get Dwayne Wayne back to buy it for 1.5 million? I mean, like, <laughs> is it just, too, I mean, how was it so high up? And every, now they have absolutely no clients. Yeah, but I guess that's realistic in a sense, like businesses flourish and they die. I, I've never owned a business. I actually don't know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. But it is funny that they didn't bring up any reasons why, because like I wondered when they first opened the studio, is a recording studio really a great investment? Because that is a part of the industry that is changing drastically. And technology is such that a lot of like independent artists, they can record at home Mm -hmm. if they invest in the right equipment and stuff. And you can make stuff that sounds really pretty great. Now, if you have like, a huge band with lots of instruments and you want them recorded together live, then you need a facility large enough to do that. You can't, Ashes of Rome couldn't fit everyone into Oliver's bedroom with like a whole trap set and multiple guitars and stuff. But I, I just know, like I hear stories about all the recording studios that used to be in New York. And now there are very few. And this is a huge city. It's just the demand is not there in the way that it used to be. That makes so much sense. And I just wish that the show would maybe talk about that because they just don't. We're just kind of like, yep, business is dead. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even the idea of them becoming a record label with streaming and everything. I, I feel like that whole profit model is drastically different than it used to be. Yeah. It's hard to make money. Is that what went wrong? Like they put all this effort into the label and they weren't like ready for it. And so they spent too much money on that. And now they're not doing marketing or advertising or whatever they did to bring in people. I I really just don't get it. But I guess it doesn't matter. I'm looking at the thing they don't want me to look at. They want me to look at this is hard for them. And they're exploring the fallout and Melissa's poking around like, but why? (laughs) Who cares? That's not the point. Yeah. I like all the fallout. I think that's being handled incredibly well. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought Amber made some really good points with her uncles when they tried to, you know, make that peace offering. Hey, Amber. Brought you some herbal tea. Peace offering. It's decaf. Thanks. Hey. We're really sorry that you overheard us talking about you. We just don't want you to worry about the business stuff. That's that's our job. But that's like exactly my point, is that it's my job too. I'm a big part of this company. You know, I, I asked you for a raise because I think I deserve it, not because I'm like pregnant or your niece. It's because I work really, really hard. You're right, you work as hard as we do. You know, it's just frustrating because you weren't like honest or straightforward with me about it. And so I didn't even get the chance to like look for other opportunities if this falls through, you know? And now I'm like a total piggy and nobody's gonna wanna hire me and I have no options. Okay, first of all, you're not a piggy. You look fantastic. Secondly, you're gonna be fine. We're, We're gonna get through this together. I mean, we have a secret weapon. This is Mr. Backup Plan. He's got backup plans for his backup plan, right? I do. I got a backup plan for that backup plan. It's all gonna work out. We're fine. Right? You're in good hands. Yep. Isn't that the Allstate motto? It is. (laughs) Maybe he was going for a sponsorship. (laughs) Yeah. Should have been like, Amber, 
what's in your wallet? <laughs> She's like, nothing. That's my point. <laughs> I don't know. I thought her, especially her point about if she doesn't know where the business stands, it doesn't leave her in a position to like take care of herself. I'm like that's a very good point. And I get why they would try to shield her from it, from the business side of things. But yeah. it does keep her in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like this is kind of the mushy ground of working for or with family. Yes. It's like... In a normal employee-employer relationship, there would be no question as to whether they would discuss that with her because they just wouldn't. It's not oh, yeah. her level, mm. right? So they're not going to let her know that, like, things are rocky. Hmm. But in this, like, family situation, it feels like there needs to be, like, a different level of protection. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, and do you think that they're telling the truth when they said they would have just fired her three months ago if she wasn't their niece? They just would have. Yeah. Yeah. Probably if it was just some <sighs> secretary or, you know, assistant. It feels like the first, like, logical drop in spending is like, you know, we can manage the office on our own because we aren't doing much. We can sweep this debris that no one is creating because no one's recording yeah. here. <laughs> we can bring our own, our own tumbleweed. Yeah. The afternoon. Um, what happened to Rachel? <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, that was yeah. what, between seasons three and four, she just disappeared and Amber worked there and they never, yeah. they never said why. Um, I, I, mean, I, I think it might've even been in the middle of season three. I mean, once her storyline was done, she was gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think, though, that we were supposed to think she still worked there through the entire season, even though we stopped, like, seeing her. And then okay. season four, Amber works there, and I think that's the same episode she sleeps with the guy from American Idol, um, that Paul, whatever. I think his character was Nick. I I don't think this matters. Um, but I think I, <laughs> I just even... remember he had great teeth. He did a very white... Orthodontia. Yeah. Money well spent. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think... I may have even said at the time that I liked that they didn't explain where Rachel was and that Amber was just there because months had passed. And I thought, they're just trusting us to it get. Yeah, yeah. That Rachel left. They hired Amber. And at one point, I feel like Crosby did say, like, well, you ruined that. <laughs> Maybe. In passing reference to Rachel. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. It's not really relevant now, but... Pour one out. Yeah, I think Rachel. the receptionist position <laughs> is not hugely vital. No. To the Luncheonette's success. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, especially if they're hemorrhaging money and they don't have any clients. Like, she doesn't have much to do without clients. Yeah. Yeah. So when Adam goes home at the end of this day, I sympathized with him, but I, I had another thought okay. about his conversation with Christina. Hey, did you know that we are overdrawn and late on two bills? I'm not sure what's going on. I I also keep forgetting to tell you it's totally my fault, but the check engine light in my car is on. Great, that's all I need. I just changed the oil in that thing. <sighs> okay, I can take it in. It's okay. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'll take it no, in. I'll take I'm... it in. I'll take the car. Okay. It's not the car, it's just everything else right now. I can't take it anymore. I believe Everybody me. needs something from me. It's mom and it's dad, it's Crosby at the luncheonette. It's like a weight around my neck and I want it gone. And I could call a headhunter tomorrow, I could get a job job. And I could get the luncheonette off my plate. I could do that. And it would make my life a lot easier. Yep. You could. 
You could absolutely do all of that, but you won't. Honey, that's not who you are. You don't just get into something and just walk away from it. I've known you for so long, and I know that deep down, you actually, I don't know, you like it. You like helping people. No, I don't. You don't like torturing yourself, but you like helping people. And it's part of the reason why I love you. It's what makes you you. Yeah. You know? I'm my own worst enemy. You are. It's what makes you Adam. And see, the best part... Yeah? ...is that you take care of everybody else, mm -hmm. And I get to take care of you. How are you going to do that? Well, I have my ways. Yeah. I have a plan, actually. You do? You have yep. a plan of attack? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Move your hands. Honey. Honey. Wow. <laughs> that, that wow oh. and that, like, expression on her face, I think they are the most awkward sex talkers of all time. Every time there's yeah. a sex scene with them, I'm I like... totally agree. <laughs> disturbing like that time that they had lotion or something and she's like the lotion and the motion or whatever i'm like please no like this is just very embarrassing for everyone <laughs> yeah but anyway but what you said so, good points yeah i well i marvel at how christina handles him yeah <laughs> but my thought about this scene was i felt like she put the nicest spin on this trait of adam's when there's actually maybe something hmm. darker or disturbing or like pathological about it. Oh, but she says, you know, deep down, you like it. You like helping people. I'm like, I don't know if he likes helping people. Might it be that deep down he likes people needing him? He likes being the solution to people's problems. And if people stopped, he would feel a lack of wow. like, Maybe that's where he derives his worth. Well, everyone looks to me. And if they didn't, then what would my worth be? I'm like, you need to explore that, Adam. I think. That's good. I think there's a, I think there's a sinister side to it. Wow. I don't think he's just, oh, you're just so such a good guy. No, I think it's like a weird inverted maybe kind of narcissism. Interesting. I could totally I see that. I keep the world spinning. <laughs> I alone can fix it. Yeah. Just, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it's a little triggering, really. <laughs> Man. Well, I was wondering during that scene when he was like, and I could get a job job. I could get on the phone with the headhunter. And I'm like, can he? Like, haven't they both sunk money into the luncheonette? Like, can he just abandon ship and be like, Crosby's problem? Like, I'm like, they're both in it, man. Like, I didn't yeah. think that made any sense. I thought, well, then why don't you just both do that? And then everything's fixed. <laughs> I, just, I, didn't, I, I just didn't think it's... I mean, I, I interpreted that, though, that he would take a loss still. Okay, okay. But he could then get another job and start... Saving recovering. and recovering. They should have sold it for $1.5 million, just saying. Or wait, 2.5? They... It was 2.5. Whatever. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Because you've got to be kidding. I'm dead serious. I wish they would have. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would have brought that up. Yeah. Like, I wish one of them would have said, oh. like, man, why didn't we sell when we had the chance? Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that's exactly what you would do in real life. Yeah. Because I understood why they didn't want to sell before. Mm -hmm. But how could you not kick yourself? Yeah. Yes, exactly. How is Adam not just doing that all the time with Crosby? I mean, Crosby got a different best man because <laughs> Adam wanted to sell. It was a big fight. And then Adam just let Crosby kind of push him over. And, you know, I loved Crosby in this episode. I thought 
he was great at taking responsibility. Let's just throw that on his plate as well. Why doesn't he say that to Jasmine? You know how we could afford to go to Potter World if we'd sold for 2.5 million? a million dollars. Yeah, if I had a million dollars, a million plus, that would buy you some butterbeer for sure, you know? That would just say... (laughs) (laughs) I did like Adam's last scene with Amber. I felt like that was good growth for him. Because he was very loving and supportive, but he was honest. Yeah. Yeah. So that she can do whatever she needs with that information herself. Yeah. Huh. Although he's he ends it by saying, you know, I won't rest or whatever until I find a way to get you that raise. And I just thought, it's like Christina saying there won't be any bullying at Chambers Academy. How do you make these promises <laughs> that you can't right. make? I, yeah. Well, you mentioned Crosby. Let's discuss... Crosby. Crosby, we find out, has been lying to Jasmine about not just how the business is doing, but how he is spending his time. Like, I get that you might not tell your spouse every up and down of your day to day business, but he told her they were recording an album when they weren't. And then he would just go to the studio and play Candy Crush. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so Here's the fallout of that. I'm just going round and round thinking about if I lose a luncheonette, then I have no income. If I have no income, we have to sell the house. I'm going to literally lose the roof over our kids' heads. And then we're going to have to sell it and move to some other district, and Jabbar's going to have to make all new friends, and the whole thing's on me. And then somehow in the middle of all that, I have to figure out how to get him to Hogwarts. I love our house. I don't want to leave here. I'm so sorry that I got us in this situation. I love our house too. You built us a beautiful house. And the luncheonette is an amazing place that you made happen. Mm -hmm. But I don't care about any of that. Losing those things doesn't scare me at all. You not talking to me and you riding off in the middle of the night, that scares me. Hey. Hey. You're my guy. For the rest of my life. Why? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You're all we need. I mean, truly, what did Crosby ever do to deserve, to deserve Jasmine. And <laughs> she has her faults. Lord knows we've discussed them. But like that this is her response to finding out that his business is failing and he's been lying to her about it. And I, I was just wow. amazed. Like, wow, this is such a high road that she's taking. And I did buy it, though, because she clearly had been concerned about him in previous episodes. And now I feel like she's getting to the heart of the matter and she knows that. Yeah. And she says what really worries her is him not talking to her. And I thought, okay, and now he is. And so you can maybe be less scared about the late night motorcycle rides and the drinking and stuff Mm because you know what's causing it and you can help him. So I I really liked the scene. It just did feel like, wow, he really doesn't deserve her. Yeah, kind of. I feel like there's those moments where your partner is like already put 
like they've beat themselves up enough about it that it feels like piling on. I don't know. It just feels like the reason he's hiding is shame and not, you know, some ulterior motive. It's just this shame of like failure. Yeah. When I like when he says before this clip, you know, you can go ahead and yell at me. And she says, I don't want to yell at you. And I like that both in this scene and then just overall as a nice reminder that Jasmine doesn't enjoy the dynamic that she and Crosby so often feel stuck in. Yeah. Like she is often nagging him. But I like that she basically saying like, I don't like doing that. I do it because I feel like if I didn't, you just wouldn't (laughs) follow through on anything. Yes. That's the dishwasher fight. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because I feel like what she said. It's that you don't let me make any decisions. I don't let you or you just don't do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, and so I'm thinking of two things now because I absolutely loved that scene. And I was like, oh, finally, Crosby is being honest. He's not hiding. I, I mean, last episode, Lauren, I was even like, I don't understand why they're together. Like, I, you know, I don't understand why she doesn't leave him. And like, yeah. I mean, he was driving me so crazy and being so immature. And then this scene, I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, this is what I love about them. But it's funny because hearing Caleb say everything he said, I'm like, yeah, you're right. He was just sneaking off and playing Candy Crush. And I think what really (laughs) bothers me about that, because Lauren, you're so right. The shame thing. I think it totally makes sense for her to lead with compassion. But now I just keep flashing back to last season when he was doing all these little lies like he was smoking with um, Oliver. Like, I mean, who cares? But he lied about it, you know, like. Right. And she was like, you're smoking. And he's like, you know, and it's meant to be funny. Or like uh-huh. when the whole mold thing and he was like lying about what kind of insurance they had. And it was like a thing. And voting, voting, lying about voting. Yeah. And so now when you put it that way, what? it's insidious. <laughs> you know, when you put it that yes. way, it's like. Not just this one isolated incident of he was so embarrassed that he didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so, because then... It's a pattern. Yes. So then I don't know what to do with it because I would be so fed up at this point, I think. I might not be focused on the beautiful things that you just said, Lauren. I might be focused on the annoying things that Caleb just said. (laughs) It's like, this is a problem (laughs) in your life, uh, lying to me, and I can't trust you. I mean, at a certain point... You're not wrong. Yeah, Oh, and money. Yeah. Yeah. And you make such a good point about the shame. Like, cause I, I, that does make sense. And he clearly is humiliated to tell her this and and feels very responsible. Yeah. Finally. Which I know is rooted in love for his family that he wants to provide for them. And it feels like he's failing at that. I get all of that. And he has like fully catastrophized this. Right. So like he probably wouldn't lose his house. Things would probably, I mean, it would be rough and they would probably have to declare bankruptcy. But, you know, like the <laughs> there are there are steps that can be taken. And like, I just don't think that the next step is like the house is gone and we're destitute and like we're on the streets forever. Yeah, I just feel felt like he went to step 20 before like. Maybe you can sell the business not for two and a half million, but no. like for something smaller. And Ugh. yeah, yeah, it just felt like he built it up and up and up, like just was making it worse. Yeah, true. 
I also just wonder how long does it take before he learns the lesson of like why he's married in the first place, Mm. which is she can be with you in all of that struggle. It's not something you have to hide from her. She is ready, willing, and able to share in the struggle with you and help you so that you don't have to be alone, so that you don't feel solely responsible for providing for the family. She's responsible too. And she's capable and understands that. So it's like he's just not including her and making it harder on himself. And I don't know. I feel like he should have learned that before now. And no one's perfect all the time. Like, I I get that. But yeah, maybe it's a Braverman thing because it's kind of similar to Adam's like wanting to feel solely responsible. Like, Mm. it's great when it's good. But when it's bad, then you're also solely responsible. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Julia, (laughs) she doesn't want Joel to provide for the family. She wants to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sarah's the only one who, like, somehow missed out on that lesson. Although, she's responsible for her kids, you know? She was a single mom. Yeah. But That's and true. I, I wonder if she was just, by circumstance, forced to be self-sufficient and not have that. You know, she didn't have another person hmm. that she could really rely on in any right. way. So she didn't yeah. have to think about, what am I letting him in on or not? Yeah. Yes. She, was, she had to have that debate about, like, safety, like, can I let my kids see their father right now or is it too dangerous? Yeah. And she probably also learned that she couldn't control everything in a way that maybe her siblings didn't, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like it's so rooted in them wanting to control their little universes. And I think that might be a human nature thing. Like I think a lot of people want to feel in control and it can't, but yeah. anyway. I really, I loved it. I, I loved that... They had to tell Jabbar they couldn't afford to take the trip. I mean, I didn't love that. It made me very sad, but I loved it as a storyline because it felt very, very real. I felt so real and like it's such an honest conversation. Yeah. And like every parent has had that conversation, I feel like. And they handled it so nicely. I just, I liked it all. And it's not something you would normally see on a show because I don't know. It's, if it was an ABC show, they would have been to Disney <laughs> with the whole family. That's true. Included. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. You just don't usually get the, that's really expensive. That's $2,000 for one day. We can't do that. Like, yeah. Am I crazy that I kind of wished they hadn't had that party at the end? I wished it had just been, yeah, we he can't go. The thing. And we just have to do without any kind of fun like that i also this this is maybe really a horrible thing to confess about myself i thought that party in the backyard looked really cheap i thought it was not at all a replacement for what jabbar had asked for and i thought jabbar wanted to go to harry potter world which has rides and castles and isn't in his backyard like that's part (laughs) of the draw and so that there's kids wearing robes and a, there's a sorting hat in his backyard. That's not the same. It, I don't know. To me, it sort of felt like, you know, if I dreamt of going to Harvard and then I didn't get in and someone gave me a sweatshirt, I wouldn't be like, well, this is the next best thing. I'd be like, you could take this sweatshirt and shove it up your ass. <laughs> now, I, I don't want Jabbar to have that attitude, but it did just kind of feel like. The lesson here is you can't always get what you want. Not a magical backyard party is as good as a theme park in Florida. Oh, (laughs) 
What did you think, Lauren? I'm sorry to be a grin, uh, Scrooge about it. Well, now that you mention it, the scene in the kitchen where they're initially talking about he wants to go to Harry Potter world. Right before that, he says, I want to do pizza and movies or something on my birthday. And she said, oh, yeah, your birthday is coming up. What do you want to do? And he said, go to Harry Potter world. So I was really confused. I was like, is this just like, what are we doing for dinner on my birthday? But I was like, why didn't you just Wait, take was it his birthday? Pizza? I missed that. I think he said he didn't want to like do like have a party with his friends. He wanted to go to Harry Potter World instead. Oh, okay. I, think. I don't want to do pizza and movies. Uh, did I watch something. this episode? <laughs> I'm missing everything. I think I think that's what he said. I am sorry, listeners. But, but if that, we're all so tired, we're back to I work. I failed you the way Crosby failed his whole family. <laughs> but it... It does make me realize you saying this, that if he really, if I did hear it right and he said, like, I don't want to have a party with my friends. I want to go to Harry Potter World. They're like, too bad. Here's a party with your friends. (laughs) That's slightly adjacent to Harry Potter World. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you something. Uh, That tricked me. I thought it was beautiful. I was crying at the end. I'm like, oh, look, because I love that it was. I thought it was lovely, too. I thought it was a really nice way as a parent to be like, I can't give you the whole thing, but like, here's what I can. Yeah, that's what I thought. And you're right. I thought it was adorable. Yeah. And I thought Dax was so great in like his, you know, like he played to the party the way he needed to, but then you kind of saw his like emotional reaction I thought it was great. I liked that. I forget what the exact line was. It's like almost as good as the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, almost. And it's like, you can tell he doesn't buy it at all. So that spoke to me because I think I would have felt like that. Like this is not anywhere near almost as good. Yeah. But I get why it's a really great thing to do and that she was able to look at it in a way that he wasn't. I mean, he's, I think he's really mired in that feeling of failure. If I can't get him there, then, then nothing else yeah. is Yeah, I totally good. agree. And I think she's like, well, yeah, we can't get him there. We can do this, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why not? I'm like, And that's a good attitude. I mean, I feel like yeah. all my childhood birthday parties were some version of the one he ended up having. And I have 100%. the best memories of those. I, I loved all of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know very many kids who do get to go to like Harry Potter World for their birthday. I mean, I thought it was really sweet of Jasmine to try so hard to like map it out. But realistically, yeah, who spends birthday 10 or whatever age he's turning going to? I mean, I guess just because they live close, it would be easier than like us going yeah. in the middle of Kansas. That's true. Is like, there one in California? Is it? I think maybe there is now, but they mentioned Orlando. Okay. I mean, so they're oh. going across the country. Yeah. Because oh, I did look yeah. up airfare. I'm like, you could do that for under $2,000. Oof. But I did find some cheap flights. <laughs> <laughs> Let's so all go to Harry Potter possible. World. <laughs> but the Harry Potter World tickets were over $100. Wow. Um, so for three of them, it would have been $300. The air, the cheapest air fryer I found was under two hundred. I mean, I didn't, I did not spend long googling this. So I'm like, okay, six hundred for the flight. Then you get up to like a thousand just to go to the park, and then you've got a hotel. And okay, maybe, maybe you could do it. I just thought, like, no, I don't think you could do that for under two thousand. Oh. And what hotel are you staying at? Well, you know, the Motor yeah. Lodge <laughs> with murderers and. 
You are yeah, making Disney yeah. is outrageously expensive. We've never done it with the kids. I was going to ask. Yeah. No. Do you think you will? I would. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would like to, but I would also like to go a lot of other places. Yeah. And like you could go a lot of other places for a lot less money and not spend and, half your time in lines and yeah. Yeah, none of them are like super into characters of any kind and we're not big Disney people, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I do Kevin and I like to travel and I've always thought it'd be nice if when they get older like in high school like maybe when they're 16 letting them pick a trip. Because we usually do, like, a family trip every year. And so then they can choose. That's lovely. I think it'd be nice. I like traveling, and I want them to like traveling. Yeah. You know, earlier, though, I just keep going back to that stray comment you made about if this was ABC, they'd be going there. And I'm, like, rewatching <laughs> Modern Family right now just because I realized I never actually watched it all the way through. So now I'm st- – uh, anyway. yeah. And they do a big trip every season – and I guess that makes sense because Jay and Gloria are rich, but I'm also like, yeah. like their trips are sometimes like Italy, like they go to other countries and stuff. And I'm like, just wow. every year, your whole family just like, that's not like you save up all your pennies and you go like every once in a while, which is what I do, you know? But anyway, it, it is interesting to see a show just, they're pretty realistic about trips and stuff on this show like you don't really see them travel a lot or or spend a ton of money on their Mm-mm. kids do you that's kind of cool and that's a good point because like when i was a kid the number of vacations we went on that wasn't somewhere to visit family mm-hmm. zero yeah we didn't go anywhere the concept was completely foreign i just I'm like oh i didn't grow up with that at all and it's weird because yeah. I grew up poor. Well, our family's going skiing this weekend. <laughs> what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's called disposable income because you have to be able to throw the money away. Whoa, good point. <laughs> like, good point. It's so wild because I grew up poor, but I did go to Disney World a few times. And the reason for that is because my grandparents, my mom's parents lived in Ormond Beach, very close uh, to Disney World. They got like the Florida pricing. So I th- yeah, I don't, I don't even know what would happen. I just know we would visit my grandparents and then my grandparents who did have money, we just didn't. <laughs> they would float it and be like, Melissa's going. And I'd be like, oh, yay. And I think my mom maybe had complicated That's feelings amazing. about it. Yeah. Like... Well, her grandparents can give her this, you know, like I think that, yeah, yeah that would have been a storyline on Parenthood, you know, like, so anyway, yeah. yeah. We just got lucky because my grandparents moved to Florida when I was like eight. Yeah. And so then instead of going to Indiana every year, we got to go to Florida every year. Yes. Way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did go to Disney World as a child once because my cousins, Sarah and Meredith, that whole Florida Hoyer yeah. family was there and we were there for something I forget but so even then we were there to visit family yeah and the family Us lived too. in Orlando yep and we all went to Disney World how do we even all that, have we only, sorry we did once how do we all have family so near Disney World all three of us yeah I don't know. Maybe Maybe everyone does. Maybe every, does everyone in the world have a relative who lives? It's kind of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. (laughs) Six degrees of Disney World. And you know what? It's (laughs) funny that you mentioned if they were on ABC, they'd go to Disney World. Harry Potter is at Universal, and I know Parenthood shoots at Universal. Wow. NBC Universal. It's an NBC 
That makes sense. So they might have been, of course, you know, advertising their promo. Oh yeah. Why didn't they just get in their Nissan and go? Like, <laughs> look on their MacBook. Look it up on their directions. iPad. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Yay! Oh. Well, Drew had money concerns in this episode as well. His were rooted in what to study and what to major in. But it's a really interesting debate, I think, about do you pursue something for money or do you pursue your passion? Yeah, so I'm just trying to think about my future and what actually makes sense for me. Um, but you were a business major, right? Yeah, management and strategy. Yeah, so I was thinking of doing economics. Uh, it says that it's like has the most options from what I've read. You know, you can go into like accounting or finance with that. Mm -hmm. At least you can go to graduate business school. Yeah, economics is great. You're right, you would have a lot of options. But Drew, I remember being where you're at and I, I thought real practically. I didn't really think about my dreams or what I really wanted to do. I just, I wanted to get a good solid major so I could get a good job, right? But you're at this great school, Berkeley, right? You can explore anything you want. You don't have any major responsibilities right now. And that's what you should do. You should explore, figure out what makes you happy and just follow your dreams. Don't worry about making money. Not right now. Hold on a second. What, is that the advice you just gave him? Follow your dreams, don't? Yeah. No, listen to my advice. Learn how to make money while you're there. All right, make as much of it as you can because that old adage, money can't buy you happiness, it absolutely buys you happiness. I don't think that's true. I think the money can buy you peace of mind, but not necessarily happiness. Yeah, and the last time I checked, peace of mind is the definition of happiness. So, make money. It's interesting that they both had the perspective that they did. Yeah. You know, because Adam probably did the smart path in college and he obviously made money and did well. And Crosby did whatever he wanted to do instead of taking the responsible path. And now he's saying, do the opposite of what I did. They both yeah. are. Yeah. And that feels very believable that you'd always want the road you didn't take. You'd always yeah. think like, oh, that that was the way I really should have gone and things would uh -huh. have been great. Right. When in reality, every situation has pluses and minuses. Yeah. I can't remember if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before, but I do know that my oldest cousin, who is 15 years older than I am, I remember I was in college and I asked him once how he decided to become an engineer. He's very rich. <laughs> and he said... You a lot of rich relatives. I do. We were literally the poorest of everyone. We, we, <laughs> we were on our way, I tell you, and then ugh, things didn't go so well. But but yeah, so I, I asked my cousin how he decided what career to go into, and he said there was some sort of like career day at his, I think maybe high school, and he just walked around looking at starting salaries, and that's how he picked. And I mean, he's really good at his job, I think he likes his job. I don't think he's like passionate about his job, but I don't yeah. know to what degree that matters to people. You know, I mean, it mattered to me, but I don't know. It's, it's a tricky thing. To what degree do you think it matters? Yeah. I strangely feel like I fall a little more on the practical side yeah. of the debate, which is, I imagine maybe funny because I'm a musician, which feels like one of the most like cliched, like I followed my passion and... But I have a few things to say about that. My passion was writing music, and I have hardly ever made any money at that. So even what I'm doing is like the more practical side of the dream that I had. Yeah. I'm kind of settling because I couldn't make my dreams come true wow. yet, I'll say. Oh, good. Because who you never know. 
But then beyond that, there's a lot of work for musicians who play the piano in New York City. Yeah. Like it's not like there's no demand for that. When Natalie's saying, oh, you liked philosophy, you like that Russian lit class. Mm -hmm. I thought, who's hiring Russian lit majors? Yeah. What job is that? Like, I play the piano and I'm in a city where there's a lot of jobs for that. It's actually not that crazy. Yeah. So I sort of feel like, don't major in Russian lit. Yeah. There's no future in that. You can teach other people about Russian lit who will also do nothing with it. I... (laughs) Sorry for all you Russian lit majors out there. <laughs> Save it for your elective. Yeah, yeah I kind of feel that way. But I, I do think, though, that it's a grass is always greener situation, especially lately. I feel like, am I going to do this my whole life? Mm. I really envy people who have one job and like benefits and don't take their job home with them. And yeah. I was with you until that third one. <laughs> yeah. I do that. It's like, boy, they really have it made. And I'm sure people who have those kinds of jobs look at someone like me who I'm always doing something different and I never know exactly what the next thing will be and think, wow, wouldn't that be exciting? And it is sometimes. Sometimes it really sucks. (laughs) I also think it's... I couldn't decide between stinks or sucks. (laughs) Sucks. I also think it's... I mean, of course, it's a contrivance for the show, but like... His options are Russian lit or econ, (laughs) you know, it's just one end of the spectrum or the other. There's usually a practical purpose to your love. Like my passion is writing poetry. I'm certainly never going to pay the bills that way. But I literally interact with poetry almost every day at work. I'm teaching it in one class or another almost Mm -hmm. every day. And I'm, I'm really good at helping teenagers learn how to write poetry and I love teaching. And so it's poetry adjacent, you know, it's very close to to my dream, but it's the practical end of my dream. And I just think I would not have just majored in something I couldn't stand. If if I hated my econ class, I'm not going to go major in econ. So what Drew needs to do is think about what he loves and be like, okay, if he's interested in philosophy, can he become a teacher or a professor? You know, is, is there something there? Right. Yeah. I just, come on. And that's a great point. Yeah. Cause it's what, it's what I feel like I did. And how would you feel about being a high school teacher? If you were teaching like chemistry, chemistry. Yeah. Chemistry. Yeah. I'd hate right. it. I'd be very bad at it. I'd have to <laughs> <laughs> have to like prep every night and be like, Oh my God, I was, I, I barely passed. I would have to yeah. call your but sister. You get to Jay. teach stuff yeah. that you genuinely yeah. love and are interested in and are and excited to tell about. other people about. Yeah. yeah. I really love my job. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting, but yeah, I, I definitely have a, a passion for it. Maybe it's a little cheesy to put it that way, but I do. And I don't feel like it's settling, really. Like, I don't know if I'd have much to write poetry about if I didn't do anything else and all I did was write poetry. You know, I, I kind of feel like I got to live my life and then have some experiences mm-hmm. and then then I can mm-hmm. write. Based Comedians on that. tend to say the same thing. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like you have to have some life experience to have something to talk about. So yeah. like a lot of times comedians that get big have trouble because it's like they kind of get stuck in a bubble and then... You know, they lose interest. People lose interest in their material because then it's all about being rich and 
kind of like it's Eminem at that point. Yeah, when like Eminem there, yeah. first started rapping, and it was like you know about just growing up and everything was hard, and then he became rich, and it's like oh, I can't really. <laughs> it's not eight mile anymore. It's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, no, but that's a good point. I liked his conflict with Natalie. I thought him and Natalie in this episode, most interesting they've ever been. I'm like, oh, I, Natalie's rich and you're poor. This is interesting. We've never explored this. I totally agree because they're both in like their age group puts them in this place where like they both don't know any better. Yeah. You know, like she doesn't kind of recognize that she is in like this super privileged position. Yeah. And I like that he told her, like, mm-hmm. I don't have somebody that can float me. Like, yeah. I am responsible for all of this debt that I'm accruing. Yeah. And everything that happens after. Like, dad's not going to get me a job if I don't like the one I find. Yeah. And he wasn't saying that to her to make her feel bad. No. Yes. He was like exp- just explaining that. Which I feel like she needed because she was not getting it. No, yeah. that's true. She was floating. I mean, she, I mean, yeah, she had a good point about don't major in something you hate, but then she's just tossing out the loftiest ideas. And maybe that is yes. indicative of their age. Good point. Like, where's the practical version of. What do you love? Let's find something you can do with that. Yeah. I would never have been practical at his age. I would have been the one that's like, you loved the Russian literature class. That sounds like so much fun. Spend the next, uh, you know, spend the next six months learning about that. Let's do it. Their Um, scene really made me wonder why no one in my family ever tried to talk me into doing something more practical. That's interesting. Like, how did I get away with this? (laughs) It's interesting. You made it work. I'm so happy. Well, that and they you know didn't. what it made me think is that they had to have trusted me. And I don't think trusted that I would be successful, but trusted that I would handle whatever outcome yeah. I encountered. Yeah. And I thought that's what you would need to do if you were the parent. But yeah. you know, this is something else I'm now realizing I liked about this storyline. It didn't involve Sarah mm-hmm. or any parental figure. It was oh, just that's true. Drew. Yeah. yeah, And he was worried about it. I like that because what a parent would want for their child is a whole different layer, I think, of like, I want you to be yeah. happy and successful and secure, but I also want you to be fulfilled and passionate. Yeah. And, uh, how, do, how do I decide that for you? It's like, well, let's not even focus on that. Yeah. What about when you're, you're the one having to make that call and he's feeling all this pressure? Well, that's, that felt like so much pressure on him. And it yeah. was interesting that all of that pressure was his own. Like mm-hmm. he yeah. said, Sarah, or Sarah, um, Amber. all I can say is May. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like Amber's not putting any kind of pressure on him to like be helpful to her. And I would not expect that that would be something she would expect, but he takes that on. Yeah. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, in fact, he probably knows that if she did know, she would tell him not to yeah. worry about it. And I think that's exactly why he doesn't say it to her. Yeah. Because he wants to do it. I agree. Like, I thought it was really sweet, but I couldn't tell if I thought it was really a good idea and responsible and kind. It's obviously kind. Or if it was kind of misguided, you know, because I'm also like, well, Drew, honey, the baby is imminent. This is happening in like three months. You're not going to graduate for years. So by the time you do get some fancy job, 
Amber will have been struggling for years. Like, I know that's <laughs> I mean. That's true. If he wants to help the kid with, like, college or something, then he's doing well to do this. But it's, and it kind of made me think, well, maybe that makes sense because sometimes idealism gets in the way and he's just like, I've got to help. And this is all he can think to do. And he's not really thinking it through that. This isn't yeah. actually something that he can really help with. And maybe that's the whole point of this storyline is he feels helpless. It was horrible for him to be at that baby store with his sister and watch her struggle and freak out. And he can't fix it. Well, and he talked, he watched Sarah struggle. Yeah. Raising him. Oh, yeah. First person in his whole family, you immediate know? family to go to. College, actually, it's funny. I keep mentioning how I was poor and everyone in my family was rich. That's kind of like we were the Sarah of the family. Like, everyone else is doing okay. I mean, up until now, I guess, Crosby and Adam are not. But, you know, like, for, uh, yeah, just, anyway. Adam's house is still pretty sweet. So, yeah, Adam's got the nice house and Julia, good God, you know, I mean, Crosby has lights up in his backyard. I loved it. It's like, wow, you just... Recreate yeah. what you know from your childhood. I know, that's I right. That. Like Sarah so was in her parents' guest house, and now she's in a basement apartment. I'm just saying, like you know, <laughs> we lived in a duplex. We, we did our best. I <laughs> so, love that duplex. I did too, actually. Yeah. Ugh. It bothered me a little bit in that scene with Drew and Adam that Adam said, "Yeah, you're at this great school, Berkeley." <laughs> did you now, know what school? On one you hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on one hand, the ex- exposition of it for anyone who doesn't know where Drew's going. Yeah. But also, Adam was like setting up a contrast between himself and Drew. And he's saying, well, I went this really practical route, but you're going to this great school, Berkeley. That's where Adam went. Oh, yeah. Julia said to Hattie when Hattie shadowed her at her job, Julia went to Stanford and she gave Hattie a something to give to Adam. And she goes, here, that'll drive your cow dad crazy. Oh, wow. I mean, maybe he's just a fan, but I I think we were supposed to infer well, he is an alum. Okay. Mm. I mean, it would so, make sense. Like, what contrast are you drawing, Adam? You went to the same school. They were not counting on Caleb Hoyer doing a podcast years later and remembering that detail. They just weren't. Twas their greatest misstep. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Well, there were a few storylines not centered around money concerns. Or Amber. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she was Hank, in well, no, this one has Amber. This one has Amber. Involved. Oh, right, right, right. So <laughs> I know where Hank you're going. and Ruby, yeah. the, the saga of Hank and Ruby. I thought, um, you know, maybe Hank really is a terrible parent because <laughs> I don't have kids. And I saw right through Ruby's, oh, I'm just going to go to this casual thing. Get together. Yeah. Faster yeah. than Alanis Morissette, you know. <laughs> see right through you i got it yeah Yeah, that was ridiculous i will say though i usually think that sort of thing is very cheesy when someone is like behind the back being like no don't listen to him that's ridiculous i loved it but i thought yeah lauren graham sold the shit out of that like that should have been so stupid but and hank needs it yeah because he really doesn't know yeah so yeah she was like really stopping him from making a mistake Although it didn't matter. She went anyway. Who cares? But, you know. The- well, and then once Ruby's gone and they actually talk about it, I thought Sarah was a, a blend of good and bad advice here. I don't know how long she can stay locked in a room, really. Uh, I- I'm baffled. Are you kidding? She can stay there forever if she wants to really make you feel bad. She's trying to make a point. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, 10 I could do. When she was 11, she was sweet. I could yeah. handle it. I, 
This age is, I, I, all the drama, I'm just, I'm not cut out for this. I'm out of my league. Here. Nobody is. It's out of everybody's league, this age. Tell me what to do. What? Yeah, I, I know it's stupid, but just tell me what to do. There's, I, I well, can't Well, you know what to do. do. You had one. You, I didn't do it perfectly. Well, you, you, you see what she's like. She's like, yeah. it's all over. Up it's here. The hormones. Or yeah. down here. Right. And I need her in the middle. Right here. I'm comfortable in the middle. You mm. know that. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because that's not what you're going to get right now. I just want quality time with her, and I can't do it when she's screaming and yelling. Look, at this age, she's not going to volunteer to spend time with you, so you have to make a fun evening. You know, she thought she was going to a party. Let's have a party. We can, you know, order pizza and have a game night or something. Game night? Game night. Yeah, you play games. You don't have to talk too much. That's, that's a, a Braverman thing. It's not right? a Braverman game thing. It's just a thing that exists. You know, you play poker. It's like Poker's that. Poker's not but... a game. Poker's it's a, it's, a, it's an art oh, or a business. Oh. It's a business. Oh, oh. Look, well, I just I just feel bad about the whole thing. She wants you to feel bad. That's how it is. You can't take it personally. Look, like I said, you just got to work a little harder, you know? So... Game night? Yeah. All right. You play for money? Lauren, maybe we should ask you first as the parent. Did you think Sarah's advice was good? Or how do you think Hank should have handled this little um, dust up with Ruby? I mean, I should preface this by saying that my oldest is 10. Um, but I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I agree. Hormones are rough. And I think there <laughs> are just going to be those times where they're going to hate you. And that's fine. I hated my parents for a while, every once in a while. And, you know, your parents are you great. come back around. Yeah. Hormones are hard at that age. And there are those, like, spikes of just, like, rage and anger and <laughs> uncontrollable crying. And I would imagine as a dad who hasn't been around your kid very much, that's kind of scary. Mm. Or weird. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he hasn't even been in a real, like, relationship with a woman either. I mean, not since the wife, right? And yeah. Sarah now, but like he hasn't. And I don't think that was just a raging success. He and the wife, you know, like, right. I mean, so like even by divorce standards, real in tune with her feelings and like emotional ups and downs to where like this is all of a sudden like in his face and yeah. he has to deal with it. Yeah. I thought all that talk was really good. But I thought the game night thing was a misstep. And I love game night. I love it. But I'm like, I don't feel like Ruby. That's not the target audience for a game night. Like, no. she's going to think this is the lamest thing in the world. And that I, felt like a Gilmore Girls scene to me. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing, too. Like, she thought she was going to a party, but not a party where she was going to be having a game night. Like, this is not equivalent. It's like Harry Potter to me. <laughs> Like, yes. She, yes. Celebrity is not a stand-in for beer bongs. <laughs> That's what she wanted to do. Yeah. And if you can't do that, I sort of feel like don't even try. If she's gonna be miserable, let it just be a miserable evening, but don't let her out of her room. Yeah. <laughs> like don't let her out of the house. Because it didn't work anyway. Yeah. But I did agree. I thought the advice about the the line that really struck me was like, she wants you to feel bad. That that's you got to keep that in mind. Like, oh, I just feel really bad. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is her objective. Yeah. And she's succeeding. So you just got to endure it. Now that you say that it's equivalent to Harry Potter world, I get where you're coming from. But for some reason, I did buy it more with them. And I think it's because Jabbar is younger and loves his parents and is not fighting with them, you know, and, yeah. and yes. like, I think he would really appreciate that effort. 
And it's like at least adjacent. This, yeah, beer bong and, and game night, very, very different. And I, I don't know what they could have done for Ruby that would have been special that she wouldn't have thought was lame. And I think that's kind of a Ruby thing. Like that's maybe a Ruby yeah. problem. <laughs> like, like, I, she I, doesn't want to be there. That's the issue, yeah. I think. Like exactly, nothing Forcing is gonna, to do gonna a make family her happy. Activity. Yeah, I mean, she wanted to be there. <laughs> instead of her mom's, but only because she thought she could go to the party. Yeah, she she's just mad at yeah. the world right now. She doesn't want to be around any parent. Yeah, I actually loved this storyline. I was a little taken aback by how much I loved it. I thought there were so many layers and it was just really deeply interesting. Putting her and Amber together yeah. was a, a stroke of genius. Yes. Yeah. Someone who bridges the gap between her parents and her. First, I want to say coffee does not help a hangover. In fact, it might make symptoms worse. <laughs> I, this is a myth that is perpetuated all over movies and TV. I, I don't understand why. I mean, I guess maybe because people think like, well, I feel groggy in the morning and then I have coffee and I'm really alert. Just... Yeah, but that's a stimulant. It's not <laughs> getting rid of your hangover. Anyway. <laughs> Let Caleb set you straight, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have sources here? Not really. I just Googled it to make sure that I wasn't full of shit, but I'm not. You're citing it the way my students cite it sometimes. They're like, according to Google. The internet. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that's not how that works. I lo- okay, this is such a sidebar, but you know when they used to do the view on um, Saturday Night Live and Kristen Wiig would play Elizabeth Hasselbeck? Yes. She, oh, and I, my favorite bit, I've not been able to find this sketch ever, but she like had a sheaf of papers and she goes... No, here, I printed it off from the internet. It won't print if it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, okay, but so I loved Amber and Ruby together, and um, I really think Amber maybe should consider, like, becoming a counselor or something. Yeah. Because she really has a gift at connecting with people. Yeah. You want to talk about what happened last night? These guys, they like, they brought a beer bong. And I don't know. I just, I felt like I needed to participate and it just, yeah. Peer pressure. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. (laughs) God. Man. Look, I am basically the last person that can tell you not to drink. Mm. But, um... I don't know, just try to remember how bad it made you feel. And in my experience, almost nothing good ever comes of a night like that. Right. And, uh, you know, about your dad, you know, your dad is trying, and my dad didn't even give it a shot. And really? My dad wasn't even there. I mean, he didn't even, he didn't even try. And I know it's kind of embarrassing, but you know, at least your dad is doing the best he can. I think you should cut him some slack, seriously, because you're lucky to have him. I get it. I do. It's cool that you have such a good like, relationship with your mom, you know? Yeah. It is. It's great. <laughs> but 
it took a lot of hard work and unpleasant situations to get us there, but now she's my best friend, so try, okay? All right. And in the meantime, you can take solace in the fact that I was much worse than you are at your age. So there's hope for you yet. Really? Much worse. <laughs> okay. So think about it. I loved that, and I wondered what you two thought, but I actually, again, not being a parent, but I thought it was maybe a good idea not to tell Hank this one time. Like, obviously never again, you know, like you don't want to become some young girl's like accomplice or something. And I yeah. can totally see someone arguing the other side about like safety. He needs to know, et cetera, et cetera. But I kind of thought Amber was taking a chance on building some trust and she got through to her in a way that no one has been able to like neither of her mm -hmm. parents, not Sarah. This is the most we've seen Ruby process and, and be real and reflective. And I thought, that's good behavior that you want to encourage. And it's not always punitive consequences. You know, like sometimes it's just compassion. Natural consequences. Yeah, yeah. She threw up and felt awful and embarrassed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she got away with it necessarily. She felt embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Amber was certainly able to do a lot by making her see how lucky she is in a way that's different from like, oh, you're home drunk? Let me go tell your dad. Like, what good does that do? She just sneaks out again. I, I don't yeah, know. It yeah, it felt very non-judgmental. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I wasn't like, oh, how can she not tell him? I didn't feel that way at all. I, yeah. I totally agree with Melissa. Like, they had the conversation after, and I felt like that's all she needed. Yeah. Yeah. And also, she knows she could have gotten busted. So it's, it, it's still even like kind of works. Yeah. Like it, like the threat is almost worse than it actually happening. And I also got the feeling, well, here was the next scene that I was going to play anyway, but it's Ruby's apology, which I really liked. Me too. And I feel like within it, you know, when she says I'm going to go study, actually study. Isn't that kind of an admission that she did sneak out? Like right. I I sort of felt like People didn't know the details, but everyone knew that it had happened. And it's like, okay, that's enough. We don't need to lock her in her room for it. She learned her lesson all on her own. That's interesting. Okay, so you think they did know? Because I felt kind of ambiguous about it. I couldn't decide. Because she did say that when she walked in. Or, I mean, when she was leaving. Like, I'm really going to study. And I was like, what does she mean by that? Because they don't know that she wasn't studying. Yeah, or it could have just been an allusion to when she asked to go there, everyone yeah. knew that she didn't mean it. That's what I thought it was. Like, okay, I'm admitting that when I asked to go to a small get-together, it was actually a party I wanted to go to. But I didn't think she was actually like, and I went. You know, like, I think that... <laughs> I think yeah. you're probably right. Because they would have shown us, they would have shown us Hank wringing his hands about, oh, how did I let it get out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's discuss her apology. I, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry I acted like such a jerk at game night. Well, okay. You're apologizing? Well, yeah, you guys just, you wanted to have fun and, and spend some time with me, and I think it was really cool that you wanted to do that. Hmm. Cool? You thought it was, yeah, okay. Um, and, and Sarah, thank you for uh, 
trying to do something special for me, you know, with your whole, like, family tradition and everything, so. You're welcome. So, um, yeah. Um, I love you, Dad. Oh. <laughs> and I'll see you guys later. I'm, I'm going to go over to um, Sadie's to study, so. Well, oh, wait, Ruby. Ruby, hold on. Hold well, on, it's, Ruby. It's, it's for real study this time, I, I promise. And um, I'll, I'll call you when I get there. Is that OK? All right, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. All right. Bye, guys. OK. OK. I love you, too. How did that happen? No, no, no. Don't even, don't even question. <laughs> just, let's just enjoy the win. How long is it going to last? Not very long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're totally right, because him saying, how did that happen, uh, proves that he has no clue, I think. Because then he'd He know. thinks this change of heart is completely unprovoked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, I think he knows yeah. something had to provoke it, but he has no idea what it could have been. Uh, gotcha, yes. gotcha. But I think it's okay. I mean, she did Me learn, you know. Um, yeah. Maybe not forever, but... Yeah, she came to that on her own. No one, like, forced her out there to apologize. No. Yeah. I thought it was a very realistic apology, too. Like, yeah. I thought so, too. Like, I really bought it. And maybe it's abrupt for a teenager, but also I feel like teenagers like kind of live in the land of extremes. They do. They are from one end to the complete other quickly. And I thought she did feel bad, and I thought Amber got through to her, and... And that she would maybe feel guilty and want to offer some kind of olive branch. That's a good point. She's motivated by guilt. Didn't even think of that. But yeah, yeah. And I will say that most of my students, I have like a good rapport with and, and they're really never like Ruby. But I do have like some of my worst <laughs> behaviors are very Ruby-like. And they are not like that constantly. They have their days of like that. And then they have their days where they're very sweet. And I just sort of don't know which version I'm going to get. And I just imagine that they're just slingshotting back and forth between their best self and their worst self all the time. <laughs> and it really has very little to do with me. I really, I think that that's true. And I probably, yeah, going through stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's not like she's never going to drink ever again. No, she will. It's something I, <laughs> and I don't feel like the show is setting that up. Especially having that advice come from Amber. Mm -hmm. I may be reading far too much into this, but I feel like within there is a way of saying, like, this is from excessive drinking. Yeah. You can drink, again, even underage, and manage it better than you are right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and be more responsible. And, like, I also read in when she said, in my experience, nothing good ever comes from a night like that. My mind went right to, like, people putting stuff in your drink. Or getting into a car. Or, you know, that there's... Amber's are, car are accident, I thought of that. Yeah, yeah, that there are real dangers. And Ruby's not an idiot. She knows what those are. And right. it's like, you don't have to pound it over her head. You just have mm -hmm. to say, like, you know where this could have ended up, right? Instead oh. of you and me in the bathroom having a heart yes. to heart. And, and Ruby does know. Yeah. That's why I think Amber should be uh, a counselor or work with autistic kids or be social worker. Or, I don't know. She's but good it's just at that it. The way that she can connect with people like that 
and use her own experience mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't feel lecturing or like designed to make them feel bad. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. talk down to anybody. Mm-mm. And I totally buy Ruby not only looking up to Amber, but like looking up to her so much that she would even say, it's cool that you have such a good relationship with your mom. Because if it were someone else, she would think it was lame that someone had a good relationship with their parents. But like filtered through Amber, she's like, okay, that is cool. Like, and Amber damn near made game night cool, right? Like the the way that they're yeah. just like <laughs> rattling off those names and everything. You could see that Ruby was maybe like, okay. And I think that's why she tried. Like when she got up there and she was like actually giving it a shot instead of rolling her yeah. eyes and being like, no, I'm not doing this. I think it's because Amber was there. And she was like, okay, it looked cool when they did it. And they had this whole secret uh-huh. language. And that was just so disappointing when they didn't, you know, she couldn't have that with her dad. And I will say... I appreciated Amber's like talk with Ruby about how your dad is there. But I did think it's not great that he didn't know that she's allergic to peanuts. That's not great. I thought it's not usually something you just like come into at 14. Like, Oh, I forgot. That's a new thing. You should know that. Especially since he wrote peanuts down as a clue. (laughs) We later find out. Well, and especially of all allergies, like, if you're allergic to peanuts, it's probably a severe yeah. allergy. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm allergic to this. Uh, dust mites? You know? It's like, like, it could kill people usually if yeah, they have like that allergy. Yeah, like if I eat this, if you put it in a dish that you feed me, which you probably have fed me many meals, yeah. you kill me. <laughs> so That would have really hurt my feelings. Um, and, and Yes. I don't know. And then the poster that he didn't know was over her bed. Like, he's, he's not seeing her. Yeah. Yeah, I think was a conversation that Sarah and he had at one point as well. Although as a game player, I was really (laughs) disappointed that Ruby couldn't think of any other clues to get peanuts except I'm allergic. Like, okay, Ruby, he's not getting it. It's not like this is some obscure word that doesn't appear in any other context. But at that point... We did get Lauren Graham doing a wild and crazy guy. Oh, we did. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, I loved that. All of those were hilarious. No, but the Peanuts thing, it wasn't about that. She was pissed. I know. I know. You're kidding. But But still. Kind of. But I was like, if you want to get that point, (laughs) save the trauma for when the clock stops. Yeah. Okay, what was the funniest one that Lauren Graham did? Was it Wild and Crazy Guys? Oh, that was my favorite. That was very funny. I'm trying to remember all of them. I've actually found it. Oh, believable. the country singer, and then she just, just like, mimes breath. Yeah. And the thing is, when I was watching the second time, I watched it without subtitles, which I hardly ever do. When I watched it the first time, I think a lot of the answers were already displayed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Amber said them. And so this time I was watching her and the second she did it, Oh, country singer. I'm like, Dolly Parton. Clearly. Clearly. (laughs) Like I genuinely was like that clue works. (laughs) Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. I mean, part of me wondered if those were genuine guesses or if they were lines, like did Mae Whitman know what the answers were or were they actually playing? Cause I know she and Lauren Graham have that same kind of relationship. I would buy that. They would just say like, okay, May, Lauren's going to act out some things for you. Just guess yeah. them. And that they actually did guess them that fast. I would love Maybe that. Not. Uh, I would love that to be true. I'm just going to choose to believe that's what happened. I would believe that. I mean, they have such a casual, like the way the dialogue is very casual and, you know, they do a lot of the over talking. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did a yeah. lot of 
of ad-libbing or improving. Yeah. Melissa, before we leave the storyline, do you want to mention anything about them watching The Breakfast Club? Oh, I just love The Breakfast Club so much. And when he was like the same people, the, the Elmo's people, San Elmo's fire thing. The Elmo's people, that was good. <laughs> that was so great. I enjoyed that. And when she was like, some of the same people, but this is better. And I thought, it is. It is better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite 80s movies. And people point out that it's problematic. And I've really, so- I've, it is, I know. And so is like 16 Candles. Oh, that's worse. But like Breakfast Club. Oh, I'm like, man, yeah. yeah, that's real bad. And I'm, yeah, but I, oh, I still but love it. But they all are. It's I just know. a, you know, you just can't always take it with a whatever present, presentism, presentism. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? <laughs> you have to, I think so. You just have to look at it like a time capsule. And exactly. like, we have changed and that is why it looks so bad. And in a way that's good. <laughs> we made yeah. progress. So there you go. Yeah. We watch a lot of Bluey in our house. Yeah. Which I would highly uh, encourage both of you to watch Bluey even without children because okay. it's a masterpiece. I love but that. I've seen several episodes with my sister and her kids. <gasps> Is it really fun? <sighs> She'll send me clips from it one time. There's some time that Bluey is trying to get his dad to play some game. Yeah. And the dad's not interested. And the, the dad says, oh, I've got an idea for a game. Uh, we do what I say. We don't question it. <laughs> Something like that. I love that. And Lindsay was like, God, this is every parent's favorite game. <laughs> Just do what I say. There was an episode of Bluey where the dad was telling a story about his childhood. And all the way through this story, he kept say- having to say, like, well, it was the 80s. Like, <laughs> there was this scene with his mom yelling at him and they were like, Grandma yelled a lot. And he was like, ah, it was the 80s, kids. Mommy's, mom's yelled. <laughs> there weren't mom groups that like, shamed them, I guess. It's the 80s. It was the, the 80s. 80s. The movies were different. I should have said, though, when we were talking Breakfast Club, the, the most important thing of all, which is that Caleb and I watched it at a park in Astoria together. And that That's was true. so fun. It was my first time seeing it. Well, That's right. only time really? that I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. I was Fine. so excited. We were looking for things to do that night. I think that was one of the times Mark was with me, but he wanted to go see a game or something. And so Caleb and I were going to just hang out. And I was like, oh my God. When, once we found out the <laughs> Breakfast Club was, I mean, like literally, yeah, it was, it was so convenient and perfect and a beautiful night. We went and got a few slices at yeah, Pizza Palace nice. yeah, walked to the park. And, yeah. Uh, it was, it was oh, that's so fantastic. fun. Yeah. Now don't you forget about me. <laughs> That's a great way to see it for the first time. I know it is. I, I know I became obsessed with it in high school and I, I was like, someday if I'm a teacher, I'm going to show this movie on the first day and be like, no clicks in my classroom. And now I'm like, oh, I could never show that. Like, why would I show this like <laughs> deeply inappropriate? Um, and also it's really funny now that this like movie that was like a celebration of diversity is just like five straight white kids. You know, it's just like not how they would make it now. It's actually a movie that I love that I think they should remake for that very reason. I think it would. Oh, yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't often think. Copyright should... Melissa Fight Johnson. That's right. If <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's yeah. pen, that's anyway. binding, right? That's binding. Yeah, no. <laughs> she had the idea, folks. She invented the Breakfast Club. I invented the Breakfast yeah. Club. Oh well, I have one more thought about this storyline before we move on, which is that 
It is interesting to note that if Hank and Sarah did end up together, then Amber and Ruby would be stepsisters. So it is like kind of a cool thing to mm. see them relate to each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I said relate. I didn't even mean to do that. Oh, man. But yeah, I it can. would be. Yeah, it would be nice to see that sort of dynamic. So anyway, kind of a lovely P.S. And she has not met Drew yet, right? I don't think so. Wouldn't it be awkward if she got a crush on Drew? Like, you know. I was just thinking that. Were you really? Yeah. She's too young for Drew. Too young to date, but not too young to have a crush, right? That's like true. an inappropriate That's crush. I don't know. And also, <laughs> he's, he's in his second year of college, and this is early in the year. He's probably just 19, and she's, yeah. what, 14? Now, yeah. it's inappropriate right now. Absolutely. But if someone was with someone five years older than them, not that's inappropriate true. at all. Yeah, that's true. It's weird if we just started shipping Ruby and Drew. <laughs> we don't. I want, I want those potential step siblings. Get it on. <laughs> <laughs> then we can play the music. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. Remember when we thought that was going to be the joke? Yeah. It didn't work. No. It's way better. I know. Yeah. Sometimes you, f- the bits find you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, on to the last storyline. This one doesn't have Amber in it. It doesn't mm-hmm. at all. It's the only True. one. I first want to publicly take back the negative things I said about the character of Dylan. Because I loved her in this episode. Me too. I did too. I thought she was adorable. Yeah. Yeah. And what really got me initially was her playing with Nora. Mm. Like, oh, she is just a doll. Mm -hmm. It was difficult for me in this episode to gauge where she and Max are, which I I guess is kind of the conflict that everyone is struggling with. Are they just friends? Like Max seemed to say, like when he first invited her over to spend the night, he told his mom, oh, she only likes me to two and a half. So there's there's no possibility of intercourse. <laughs> and they thought, OK, so he gets it. He gets that they're just friends. Yeah. But then, of course, later on, he's like, do you think she likes me at a three yet? So mm-hmm. he is trying to change the number. At, right. I don't know. And like Adam and Christina are wondering, does she actually like him or is it just... She doesn't mind him so much that she won't go over there for the things she does like. Here are the questions I asked. Um, and I should just tip my hand right away and say, I I love Dylan. I actually, I think I kind of had a positive reaction from her right away. She does remind me of a lot of my students in a way that Ruby doesn't, because most of my students are not that rude. But the way that she just like gently challenged authority and was a little snarky, but like, Oh my gosh, there's so much, like such a heart under that. She reminds me so much of so many of my students. And so I'm very, I think, fond of her. But like I wrote, is she leading Max on? Is she being unfair? Can people be friends when one person is interested and the other isn't? I'm really asking. Because my inclination is to say that what she's doing is fine. That she is in pain, clearly, and is missing something in her family life. And she is getting that here. And it's not like she's telling Max she's interested when she's not. Yeah. He's the one who I think got this bad information, this bad Intel from his parents that like people's minds changed when they like you at one number, it can change. It's fluid. I think maybe if they hadn't said that, 
everything would be fine. He but would maybe, be fine with the two and a half. I think maybe, like, maybe he'd just be like, oh, we're friends. She likes me at a two and a half, and I get that that's a friendship thing. But since Adam was like, sometimes it changes, I think he's, like, sitting around waiting for it to change. Anyway, I really do want to know, though, what you guys think. Like, is it possible for two people to be friends if one person is actively interested in the other one? Or do you think that is just too messy and complicated and no, it just can't, like someone's going to get hurt? I don't know. I mean, I feel like if everyone knows the deal, yeah, but somebody's going to get hurt, right? I've been in that situation a lot. Yeah. Although not always with the other person knowing. And in okay. this case, Dylan knows. Yeah. Yeah. In the cases where my friend has known there were two in particular who knew like while I was actively crushing on them and both of them, I told like, I need to not see you for a while mm-hmm. so that I can get over yeah. whatever these feelings are, but I don't want to stop being friends forever. And that's exactly what happened. And now I do consider them both friends and am not in love with them. But then I've had, uh, or then I've had others where it's like, I don't say anything. And then years later, when I'm naturally over it, I'll tell them like, did you know that I had a big crush on you, you know, back in the day? And that's always been like, oh, I, I don't think they ever did. No one has ever like, yeah, I knew. (laughs) (laughs) You were super obvious. (laughs) But so I, I guess my answer would be no, I don't think, I don't think it's a good idea. I just really feel bad that everyone seems to be waiting for Dylan to develop some feelings for Max because I'm like, well, that's not how actual friendship works. So maybe I should feel bad for Max that she doesn't like him. But weirdly, I, I feel worse for, for Dylan because I feel like she's kind of in this awkward situation. I will say like when he says, well, she says I have nice eyes. If she was doing lots of stuff like that. Yeah. I would have a problem with that. Yeah. Don't lead him on. But I, right. at least from what we saw in this episode, I don't feel like she was leading him on. And what's really hard is if one person likes the other one and the other one doesn't like them back romantically, but they do like each other as friends. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. a friend might tell their friend that they have nice eyes. Like there is so much overlap between romantic interest and friendship. Yeah. That when one person is in that unrequited frame of mind, they can perceive things one way that are not meant that way at all. So even if she did say he has nice eyes, she might have meant it, but she just didn't mean I'm changing to a three. (laughs) And Melissa, I actually, I had your voice in my head during this scene between Adam and Max. You say you uh, turn the lights out in 10 minutes, okay? And just have this one more lens to clean. All right. And I want you to head downstairs and say goodnight to your friend, okay? Give her some eye contact, maybe a little smile. Okay. All right. Dad. Yeah. Do you think she likes me a three yet? She said I have nice eyes. Well, then I'd say you're headed in that direction, Max. I totally understand why he said that. And I believe his heart is in a good place. But with your voice in my head, I thought, oh, Adam, I think you dropped the ball here a little bit because that was a perfect opportunity to tell Max, you know, the goal of being Dylan's friend shouldn't be to change her number. 
The goal should be enjoying having a friend over and the pleasure of their company. And a 2.5 is a great place to be if you're friends. So don't view it as something less than. View it as more than zero. You know, you could have no friends. Isn't it great to have a friend? Yeah. And then on top of that, I, I don't mean this to be cruel or judgmental, but does Max even know why he wants a girlfriend? It reminds me of what Hank said to Ruby last season. He just wants to say he has one. This does seem deeper. It's not just any girl his own age. And with Ruby, it was like, oh, here's a girl my age. I like you. Yeah. We should date. This isn't that. It's it's specifically targeted on Dylan. Yeah. But he has this friend over and isn't spending any time with her. If she did like him at a three or like even a five, then what? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, is it then intercourse? Is that what he's <laughs> after? I don't know. And, and then I thought, or is it just a teenager responding to his teenager instincts? And maybe he doesn't know. I mean, yeah. teenagers don't know why they do anything. Is this just the next step? Like I'm a teenager, so I'm supposed yeah, to just have a their girlfriend hormones. and I need that title. Maybe. Or maybe he doesn't even know. It's just like, I want her around. Yeah. And he he maybe doesn't even know why, but it might be a genuine feeling. I don't know. I think it is genuine. The thing that really got me was towards the end when Dylan said that what Christina was cooking smelled good and it was, works for me. And Christina's like, well, you're welcome to stay. And Dylan was just like, you getting sick of me yet, Max? And he was he said something like, no. And the way he said that I thought was very sweet. You know, I thought there was a yeah. lot in that in that no. I don't know. I I'm quite fond of her and I really love her dynamic. I don't think she's trying. I think this is the thing that gets me. I don't think... I don't think she's trying to lead him on. They're kids. You know, I think mm-hmm. she likes being his friend. Mm-hmm. And she gets this cool family that she doesn't get at home. Yeah. I don't think she's maliciously using him. I think she's probably using him, mm-hmm. but like not maliciously. Like she likes him. I think she says exactly what she means when she was like, sometimes yeah. Max is interesting and sometimes he's boring. I like hanging out with you guys when he's being boring, cleaning his lenses. Yeah. And I mean... I just cried when she was watching To Kill a Mockingbird with Christina and put her head oh, on her shoulder. That I, was so sweet. That moved me. Like, I can't even, I don't even know. Like, I'm like tearing up talking about it. I don't know why that did that to me so much, but it just, she like just needed someone. She just needed mm-hmm. that and she didn't have it. So sad. It's funny though, Melissa, I wrote down a note for you specifically during that scene which is what are the ethics of a headmaster hanging out at home with one of her students? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm not indicting Christina at all because there are all sorts of factors (laughs) at play here. Yeah. And it's certainly, even now once I said it, I realized it had this like, sexual undertone which oh, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't mean at all okay because yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I clearly that is not no me. no and even when I wrote that down I thought back to when we had my friend Tanika on mm-hmm. you know, she ended up being adopted by her headmaster yeah so you know people forge connections all the time and it can yeah. be you know a great blessing in everyone's life and I felt for Dylan too good grief yeah I think the only trouble is if is all this kindness contingent on Dylan eventually changing her mind and liking Max the same way Max likes her? And if that doesn't yeah. happen, then Christina isn't just a boy's mom. She's also headmaster at her school. And I mm-hmm. think that's the problem. Like, I didn't think there was a problem with her putting her head on her shoulder and, like, watching this movie with her. 
But I think that's where it could get complicated is they just keep saying like, I want to make sure that when you're over here, you're hanging out with Max, you know? And and she's like, okay. You know, and I'm like, do you know that you're talking to a child who has parents who are clearly not around? Like you're saying all this kindness disappears if you don't have a romantic interest in my son down the line. Like, I just think the ethics of that are real icky and I don't care Mm -hmm. for that. And it's almost like acting like she's doing something wrong when, again, she's a child with no stable home life. Like, I just don't like, no. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and let's discuss when she does try and clarify this with Dylan. See you after school, Mrs. B. Oh, hey, Dylan. Um, Actually, honey, can I... I just want to talk to you about that. um, Is today not good for you guys? No, no, it's not that. I just... I want you to know that I... I reached out to your parents. I tried to call them and didn't get through to them. I left a message. Yeah, um, I, I should have told you they were out of town. It's okay. They're, they're it's not fine. horrible people. They're just not around a lot with their company and everything. So. Got it. Okay, it's not a problem. I just, I know that you're aware Max has feelings for you. You know that he thinks that there's this, this strong friendship between the two of you and that there's something there. And I just want to be sure that you're coming over to hang out with him, not just us, because you miss your, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Max really, really likes you. Yeah, I think Max is awesome. Yeah, he is awesome. He's an awesome kid. I I like both of you. I like all of you, but sometimes Max is funny and sometimes Max is boring, and I like talking to you when he's boring. My my home is pretty boring too, but I'm okay staying by myself, it's fine, so. No, absolutely not. You're coming over today after school. I just, I wanted to let you know. That's all, okay? I insist. It's all good. Okay. Okay? Great. Great. Bye, I'll see you after school. Yep. Okay. We'll bake something. Uh, Melissa, you're so right. Because I, I feel for Christina so much, and of course for Dylan, and I think she does the exact right thing when Dylan says, uh, it's fine, I'll just stay home alone. Yeah. And then she says, no, you won't, you'll come over. I'm like, yes, that's what you do because this kid needs someone. Yeah. And then even up to a point in that conversation, I was like, this is great. Yes, you should try and contact her parents. You should try and check in, assess the situation, what's going on. Do her parents actually know what's happening and where she is? That's very responsible. And then when she gets to, you know, you know, Max has these feelings for you. I thought, yes, you need to bring this up because you should be looking out for Dylan because you're at school. You are her Mm -hmm. principal right now. And you need to tell her, I don't want you like leading him on or feeling obligated Mm -hmm. or, you know, if what you're actually after is this, that would be looking out for Dylan. And instead, I feel like she was only looking out for Max, which I think she does have to do. It's her job as his mother and she's his principal too. But I feel like it was only like, like you said, like, you know, he likes you. So you have to sort of like play ball there. Yeah. It puts a lot of pressure on her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like Christina's saying two different things. Something like Max has these feelings for you and he thinks you've got this great friendship. And I'm like, okay, but they do have a great friendship. Mm-hmm. Her language isn't quite. And it's, yeah, it's like two things. Like one is the romantic path and one is the friendship path. And it's like, I want to make sure that when you're hanging out with Max, you're really hanging out with him and not just because you want to be with us. And so when when she says, I think Max is awesome, I don't think Dylan is lying, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean she's romantically interested in Max. It just yeah. means exactly. 
I think he's awesome. He's my friend. Which can be fine, right? Yeah. Except now they've built this world where, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But I feel like Max likes rules, right? So if he knew that, like, I'm not interested romantically, like, let's just be friends because this is a good friendship, then he would be like, oh, okay, we're just friends. And, like, that would be it. And that is Adam's fault. (laughs) Yes. And it just struck me that once again, Christina's talking to the wrong kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, she did need to have this conversation with Dylan in some form. Yeah. The real conversation that needs to be had is someone to go to Max and say, Max, the number is not going to change. This is what. And the sooner you can start understanding that, the sooner this whole situation gets diffused. Yes. Otherwise, it's a powder keg. Yeah. Something is going to blow because (laughs) it doesn't feel like. And I could be wrong. I mean, I'm almost positive I'm not. But it doesn't feel like her number is changing. It does not. I think it's I think it's exactly what you're both saying, which is like the friendship is real. She's not leading him on in that regard. But it also is a huge draw that there is a stable family unit that accepts her and she doesn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Says, oh, I get to go hang out with my friend and I get to supplement this huge void in my life. Yes. If Max understands that, then there's no problem. And there's no problem. And instead, she's stopping Dylan in the hall saying, you know he has these feelings, right? Which is kind of creepy Wrong. when you really think about it. Like, what's she supposed to do? Just, yeah, I'm I'm waiting to feel a three uh, any day now, I'm sure. <laughs> like, you know, I just, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and to teach, a, to teach a young woman especially that she owes Right. A guy, yep. a certain feeling. Yep. Exactly. exactly. For any reason. Max uh, feels this way, so kind of you the worst need to lesson. protect him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be polite. Like, you know. uh-huh. and, and it feels like their their pattern of let's <sighs> let's address everyone's behavior except Max's right. in order to spare Max. Yes. Wrong. Let's address Max's understanding of the world so that he can protect himself. Yes. Christina and Adam always do that, though. They it's always, always. It's always the opposite. Halloween, Chambers Academy. Max-centered. Sarah with the printer. Of, yeah. yeah. Instead of teaching him to work into where he's at. Yeah. And the more I think about it, the more I'm furious because, like, they were so supportive and great when Max had Micah as a friend, but there was no complication because, you know, neither one of them was gay and they were both male and so it was all fine. And I just am like, okay, I get that Max has a crush on her, but, like, the same way you shouldn't teach a girl those lessons, you shouldn't teach a boy. Well, just keep being persistent. And then the girl will turn that no into a yes, Max. Like, that's not a good... You just gotta keep at her. Yeah, that is not a good lesson. So, (laughs) anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to be too dramatic with that, but, like, you know, (laughs) consent rules are... Yeah, I mean, it starts young. So... Mm -hmm. It it, does. It does. There was one scene between Adam and Christina that I just laughed. Oh, I know what it is. At this one random line. I know what it is. I think she actually likes him. Mm-hmm. Like, likes him, likes him. Mm. Yep. What? Maybe she likes us. What do you mean? I don't know. I just, I can't put my finger on it. But whenever she's here, she's playing with Nora or she's wanting to be next to me and hanging out. And Max is sometimes nowhere to be found. Well, Nora's cute. You're fun. I know, but it's just sometimes. <laughs> I just <laughs> That's the line. Oh, that's quickly, funny. <laughs> how quickly Adam was like, Nora's cute. You're fun. 
why wouldn't you want to hang out here? And I and the thing is, it comes so quickly that I actually, aside from making me laugh, I thought, what a good husband and father. Yeah. That he thinks like, well, my daughter's adorable and my wife is a blast. <laughs> that's great. That that's just as natural as of course she'd want to hang out with you guys. Nora's cute. You're fun. Okay, I love that that's the line you wanted because I was wrong. Uh, My guess was going to be that your line was when he was like, we're just a bonus. The way that when we first got together, the Bravermans were just a bonus. And she's like, (laughs) she has this look on her face. Like, I don't know about that. Yeah. (laughs) I really enjoyed that. Well, I know that I several episodes ago prefaced the whole Dylan storyline by saying, this is one of my least favorite ever. But I just feel like I need to say again, so far, I'm actually loving it. Yeah, it's really um, this so good. it I really takes a turn it. somewhere, at least in my memory, but it's not yet. <laughs> so I adored it. And I didn't really love last the last episode before this one, but I think it's the only one of season six so far that was a bit of a misfire for me. I am really digging season six. I, I really loved this one. I think every single storyline had really interesting moments and real moments yeah, just mm-hmm. uh, and w- it was nice to see another side of Dylan and another side of Ruby and yeah yeah I feel like my memory I thought they really went uh, like jumped the shark in season six but I feel like it feels just exactly like the rest good that makes me happy do we have any stray observations or, or other just overall thoughts because there was something I forgot to say earlier. It's very little. What? Say it. Okay. At the Harry Potter party, did anyone notice that Jasmine said Jabbar Trussell and not Braverman? I did notice. I thought yeah. that was interesting because oh. I've been wondering this whole time if his last name ever actually shifted over to Braverman because I assumed it was Trussell the first five years of his life. So I was just, yeah, I was wondering. And then I think Aida, that was the big storyline, she gets the last name Braverman. So it's kind of interesting that they have two kids biologically together and they have different last names. Nothing wrong with it. It's just interesting to know. Yeah. I went down a little wormhole, just in my own mind, (laughs) about, um, you know, Jabbar gets sorted into Gryffindor. (laughs) And I thought, I don't think Jabbar would actually go into Gryffindor. I think he would go into Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Because he's just sweet. <laughs> he's just like a sweet little. And then I was like, okay, where would all the other kids go? Yes. So immediately I thought, Sydney, Slytherin. For sure. I mean, for sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's a case to be made for Ravenclaw because she's so smart. Mm. But I was like, no, but Slytherins are smart too. They use the smarts for devious <laughs> me- ends. And that is Sydney. Victor, I think, would be in Gryffindor. Yeah. I mean, he kind of is Harry Potter, like the orphan and <laughs> oh my the gosh. boy who lived. And he withstands all this adversity and he's still like intelligent and kind and courageous. It's like, yeah, bravery. That's Victor. Max maybe would be Ravenclaw. Yes. Studious and ev- everything to the letter. And Oh, man. Uh, this checks out. Yeah. Those are pretty spot on. That's good. To just do the young kids and not Nora, because Nora's not. I mean, Aida, they're too yeah, little. Yeah, he's Nora. not old enough for the sorting hat. Yeah, yeah. they get sorted And I didn't later. do the older right. grandkids either. Yeah. You know, Amber, Drew. I think you did the right four. The right four. Yeah. And then you got one of each. That was brilliant. Oh wow! Nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was excellent. Well, I didn't have like a dramatic theme necessarily, but I did notice there were lots of men in crisis in this episode. 
with their women being wise and supportive and mm. it kind of graded on me. I still, I <laughs> I'm enjoying this episode more as we talk about it, but I still didn't love it. Fair. But so like Crosby, Hank, Adam, Andrew all had moments where their women gazed on them lovingly and reassured them. Oh, that's not your way, Adam. You like helping people. Oh, you're enough for me, Crosby. You're my guy. Um, <laughs> you're right. That's now, annoying. Sarah was a little bit different because she didn't have that like, oh, attitude. She had a, right. she wants you to feel bad. You yeah. know, so that's her just, support was yeah. a little more uh spunky and in character and then drew and natalie like we said natalie tried to have that like why are you putting all this pressure on yourself and then he kind of checked her yeah and i liked that because it was a nice um variation on this theme yeah oh she's trying to be supportive and i'm not even criticizing her it's like you said lord i think she i think she thinks she is yeah, I think this is supportive. her way of being supportive it's just super annoying and yeah. i think and she just doesn't know yes she doesn't know that she doesn't know we don't know what we yeah, don't know. His She's life circumstances. And yeah. she doesn't have any responsibilities or bills or, you know. Yeah. yeah. She's like, well, as is the case with everyone. <laughs> exactly. To, exactly. To pursue your dreams. Yeah. Actually, I can't. Yeah. Chica. I don't know why I said Chica. <laughs> <laughs> very... I think maybe it's time for this podcast <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um. Lauren, if you ever do a Bluey podcast, I would love to listen and then be a guest sometime. So just like putting that bug in your ear, something to think about. All right, I'm on it. You're on it. You could do it with your kids. Like you could just have a little pot. That would be so cute. (laughs) Maybe the episodes would be short, you know, because kids have short attention spans. (laughs) But it would be so cute. Anyway, oh, um, but yeah. Oh, Lauren, thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. I really loved Guys, it. Guys, thank you so much for having me back on, and congratulations on six seasons. This is great. Whoa. I'm so proud of you both. Well, thank, thank you. you. I'm so happy that we did this. <laughs> I am too. I love it. It makes me so happy. I don't know. It was a great pandemic project that yeah. spilled over to post pandemic. It did spill yeah. over. Yeah. It's so funny. It's very flattering, but sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, do another one. We'll, we'll listen. And we're like, yeah, no, like, we just can't. I know I've <laughs> said this a few times, but yeah, please, really, we're not being coy. We, like, don't have time. <laughs> if it paid us, yes. maybe. Yeah, that's true. There this has paid us nothing. <laughs> this is a money loser for this us. Is a mo- yeah, we bought microphones. Hear that, NBC Universal? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> don't come don't for us. Don't come for us. Yeah, we bought, yeah, like, recording equipment and shit. Yeah, so... But oh, it funny. was worth it. We did it for the passion of it. This is, relates to Drew. Um, that's true. Yeah. So it's like the luncheonette. Okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for it. returning. Yes. And thank you at home for listening. There it is. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>